Insidious is back with the new entry in the franchise, the fifth to be exact, titled The Red Door. Now, I really do like the Insidious franchise, like really, I, I definitely, the first and the second in particular, big, big fans of that, and it is quite mad to think that the first had a budget of like less than a mil or something like that, and it's grown to become such a huge and successful franchise, but like I say, it's, like, it's almost like the magic of James Wan, really, isn't it? Like the first two... You know, they were written and directed by James Wan and Lee Wanell, obviously two of my favourite writers-directors in the film world. But the third and fourth one, like, I wasn't too fussed about them. They still had, obviously, Lee Wanell attached as a writer, so they do have their good moments, but nothing really compared to those first two. And the same can really be said about The Red Door. One of the things that was a concern for me straight off was the fact that Lee Wanell was not attached as a writer to The Red Door. Um, and so the duties had been passed over to Scott Teams, who'd previously co-wrote Halloween Kills and Firestarter. Obviously, Insidious is a Blumhouse production. Those two films there, Halloween Kills and Firestarter, two are Blumhouse. You can kind of see how they've tried to get someone in who's, you know, got that knowledge and familiarity with horror, thriller, whatever. Uh, but Halloween Kills and Firestarter, they were they were obviously received you know, quite mixed, really, with the reviews and the responses. So for me, I was like, okay, we'll just see how it goes. But Insidious is... James Wan and, and definitely, you know, Lee Wanell. So not having either attached, you know, to the project as real contributors, that had me worried about the story as a whole from the get-go. But on the flip side of that, the film's a huge family reunion in terms of cast. You know, we're having returning favourites, the Lamberts, that we'd not seen in the Insidious franchise since the end of Chapter 2. You know, Ty Simpson, Rose Byrne and Patrick Wilson as well. Lynn Shea as well getting an appearance, they're all back, so that is insidious for me. And honestly, this just kept pipping the excitement a little bit for me a little bit more because I really do like the first two, as I probably mentioned, I probably will keep on mentioning throughout this episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Like, considering it had such good characters within those films, obviously being the Lamberts, for us, the audience, to connect and invest in as they go through this, what seems to be an ongoing and never-ending nightmare... Better yet, Patrick Wilson also is in the director's chair for The Red Door. This is actually his film directorial debut. So again, having him involved not only as a performer, but in the director's chair behind the camera, the excitement was just growing. Like, I was really excited to see what he was going to bring to the project. Because he's worked with enough directors and producers and studios to know what works in horror. And I have to say, there is real potential on that front. You know, having seen what he's managed to cook up in this sequel. So given all these pockets of excitements and kind of concerns towards the new Insidious, it, it is disappointing, though, to come away thinking they really could have done better. Like, don't get me wrong, the film has some really tense and terrifying moments, but I do feel that the film missed, you know, Lee Wanell's fingerprints and storytelling because it is it is a bit of a slog. Now, before we do proceed further into the podcast, it is, of course, available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts, as to rss.com. You probably already know that because you listen to it right now. If you are, thank you so much. But leave us a review on Spotify, Apple. Hit the five stars. That'd be amazing. Really appreciate it. Jump onto the socials, search Joe Blogs About Films into Instagram and Facebook to find the pages and give us a like and a follow. But thank you so much, as always, for clicking on this podcast and this episode. It really does mean the world. And thank you, as I state every week, for your constant, constant support. So let's talk all things Insidious. So years after the events of the first two Insidious films, 
Dalton is now heading to college. With him for the journey is his father, Josh, attempting to mend the broken pieces of his relationship with his son. But in the wake of a family tragedy, old memories, thought forgotten, start to resurface until both are again threatened by an entity capable of possession and mayhem. First things first, this film, this is really Ty Simpson's film. This story is very much Dalton driven is the Red Door. And Josh too, obviously, because, you know, they both have the ability to astro project from their bodies and into the further. But Dalton is the star here. It's just also Ty Simpson has grown up so quick. Like it's mad, because this film is obviously set like nine years after the chapter two. But like Ty Simpson is because I've only seen him in like Insidious films or even like Jurassic World and such. Like he's still kind of in my head this little kid. So when you see him all growing up, you're like Jesus Christ! Like it's mad, isn't it? It's like when you watch Stranger Things and the kids just keep getting older each season. Like it's just quite jarring in a way. But Ty Simpson does a pretty good job with his performance in this one. It's not like groundbreaking or anything, but I think it was, for me anyways, it was just nice to see Dalton, revisit Dalton and, and the Lamberts and such, you know, having them back on the big screen. That that's what, that's what kept me going through the film because if this Insidious film was about any other family take, like what they did with Chapter 3 and Chapter 4, well, particularly Chapter 3 was a different family, there's no way I would be enjoying this film. If it was any other new introduced characters or family, whatever, there is absolutely no way because the Lambert's the only reason why I did keep invested in this story and to see what was going to happen next. And I do think bringing the Lambert's back was a pretty good decision, like a very good decision, to be fair, and a good narrative for the sequel, especially just to get bums in seats like me. The, that's the sole reason I've come back to this Insidious film because after the fourth one, I was like, I'm I'm fine now if they were to just leave it, but then they say, piquing my interest by having all the Lambert's and, and Patrick Wilson attached direct, that's why I'm here. So absolutely, it worked in that favour. They, they, they just were a really good, strong, connected family pulled apart by the ghosts and ghouls of the further in the first couple of instalments. There was just a lot of flesh and substance to their, to their narrative, you know, that instantly I and many others wanted to see more from them. However, after watching this chapter... I am sat here thinking, just be careful what you wish for. Yeah, it's great to see the characters back, don't get me wrong, but what they did with them was probably the biggest mistake the writers and everyone involved could have really gone with. Now, I'm going to say light spoilers here because I didn't know this going in, but I've seen a few reviews since talk about this, so apologies in advance if I do spoil anything here, but basically... Josh and Renee Lambert, they are now divorced. Now, this might not seem like a big deal for some or any kind of necessary spoiler, but it's just that in terms of the narrative and what they could do to kind of incorporate the family, I felt like it was a corner they'd written themselves into because it bogged the film down massively. And it also made me really sad that they didn't get to live happily ever after after the first two films. I know that's kind of maybe wishful thinking, but it does. It kind of bummed me out that they didn't work it out and they couldn't carry on and have a, a peaceful life. It's understandable after the events of the first two films, you know, that it would put a strain on the marriage, considering only Josh and Dalton had their memories wiped, should we say, and everyone else remembers what happened. So I do get that, you know, Renee, that's Rose Byrne's character, will have struggled an awful lot. And obviously all of this is relevant for Patrick Wilson's Josh, who is now a divorced father in this film. And he's now struggling to connect with his son Dalton, who were once, you know, they were inseparable and he literally saved his son's life. So it is a good journey on that front to see those characters go throughout and kind of put the pieces together, the missing pieces, we should say, and also experience horrifying ghosts where they aren't sure what's actually going on, you know. like. But it is super, super slow. The film's an hour and 50 minutes, but I genuinely thought that I'd been there for at least an hour or so after about 30 minutes. It's just, it's strange because things are so slow and then the third act, 
he's done and dusted in like 10 minutes. I don't mind a slow build at all, like, but because of the decision to cut out everyone else other than Patrick Wilson's Josh and Ty, Ty Simpson's Dalton, it just felt really boring. Like There was no one really for them to interact with other than a couple of characters here and there. Now, speaking of, of obviously Patrick Wilson, he falls back into the role as Josh really, really excellently. Like It's a shame that there is such a limited cast because... He doesn't, like I say, get many interactions with anyone else other than Renee and Dalton. One, you know, one of the things that makes chapters one and two so good was that the horror could be revealed from, let's say, his mother from some terrifying story or whatever, or Elise. You know, she was full of them, so it worked so well that there were a lot of factors and players in that mix. Whereas in this one, it just felt like we were re- retreading like old ground with its story. There are those new elements and emotions in there. Like I said, Josh is now divorced and that's one thing having to deal with the breakdown of, of the marriage. But also, you know, he never had his father around and ultimately now he is too being that absent father from Dalton. Now, this should all work for a very good character piece and study. However, we never really pick or peel at that within the film they have a a couple of exchanges one heated exchange and then it's all really about saving dalton again from the further now i will say that patrick wilson was great with the performance again with his range really really excellent like he knows how to be in front and now behind the camera because the scares that the film have they're really quite grand. And that's what we return to this franchise for, isn't it? We, we want to go into the further, another trip to the further, to see what nightmares are trying to possess the physical body of an astro-projected spirit whilst they wander into the further. Now, Wilson has stated has worked with some talented people in the horror business, and you can see it in full effect with its scares. This really is where the film was at its brightest, you know. It was to do with the scares. But my personal favourites aren't necessarily, like, the jump scares. That's one thing, you know. It's what he's done in terms of depth of a scare with, like, particular framing. Now, it's something as simple as Wilson, you know, he's sat in his car, there's a blurry figure in the background walking slowly and slowly towards him in the background, only for Wilson to lean across the camera frame, move back, and the figure's gone. Those kind of things really get me up in my seat, and I think with Patrick Wilson explored that to such great strengths and and so many different levels with it that you're almost like hanging on a breath waiting for a scare that might never actually come the intensity and suspense is all there whether that be in the further or outside of it you're just knowing that something is going to happen and with the surround sound of the cinemas good heavens did i do some great high jumps in my seat even sequences that are in the trailer such as like the mri scan sequence that is all extra terrifying in the final cut as two sequences when Dalton in particular in the trailer when he's you know drawing his painting his lovely red door piece at college for that demon hand to grab him I knew they were both coming those moments were coming but Christ did it still make me jump and they would kind of say that the, the better moments of the film that intensity that and suspense sorry that's where the film really strives now we know as well going in that the red-faced demon's back, or the lipstick demon, whatever you want to call him. And sadly, I feel like this character's been like kind of ruined by the fact that they kept throwing him into the sequels. Like he, he has an appearance in chapter three and four, both obviously their prequels, but it was just a quick cameo at the end. So we're no real further into knowing much about what he wants, unless I've missed something. I know that obviously the obvious thing is that demons and God, whatever, they crave life. You know, they want to take over the physical body of someone that's astro projecting or whatever. And we again see that in this one. But I maybe would have liked a bit more 
from this icon. Um, you know, still to this day is responsible for one of the best jump scares in horror, which is courtesy of Insidious One. Like it's phenomenal that jump scare, really, really impactful. So I, I think that I would have liked to, for for him to be a very prominent figure in the film, or at least that's how they were running with for the for the marketing front. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from him. I'll just learn a bit more about what it is exactly there. Um, and I, I, I do think as well that it would have been nice to dive deeper into the further, perhaps. Like, we've seen certainly different elements of the further over the course of the four films, now five films. But by the time you are getting to chapter five, and if you're not improving or mixing things up with it, you've got to ask yourself whether it's worth revisiting all again anyways. Especially if the story isn't great, because that's the thing that brings this film down. The story is pretty weak. Now, I would have liked to have seen maybe more of how the time doesn't work the same way in the further. They've, they've ran with that as well in Chapter 2 in particular. I think they might have done it with all of them, but remember in Chapter 2 vividly, you know, how, how much I really enjoyed what they did with the time aspect of it and how certain events of Josh being in the further actually impacted what was going off in Chapter 1 due to his spiritual body, you know, being in the further. You know, it's just all of that was really excellent. Now, the Red Door does try to do this, but nowhere near to the same effect. Like, they, they do give it a pop, I'll give them that, but... It's not like vital or key. It's just kind of a moment that happens. And it's, I don't know, I just feel like we could have dove a little bit more into the further with it. Or like I say, the lipstick deal or whatever, there's so much potential there. But the main issue is, is that because everyone's so separated, it, it just feels really quite just a slog. Really, really is a slog. There are a few new characters that are thrown into the mix. Sinclair Daniel, for one, who plays the character Chris Winslow. She's Dalton's roommate for a spell within college, and she brings a nice, to say, flavour to the mix, balancing that terror and humour quite well at times. Though after one particular incident involving being choked by an entity that she can't see that's in the further... I did question why she was just happy to, you know, carry on knocking about with Dalton. Like, she also buys into the astro projection thing quite quickly as well, I felt. Like, it's just kind of a quick conversation that Dalton, you know, says once he realises things are, are a bit strange suddenly. She just kind of accepts it, and then it's like, hey, let's try it out, let's do this, this and that. So that might seem like a nitpick, but I, I, I didn't dislike a character at all. I think it was she was a nice breath of fresh air, basically. But as conclusions go for the Lamberts and for, for their story within the Insidious franchise, I don't think this was the right way to go. As mentioned, the third act is over in a flash and it all just seems quite irrelevant. There's no real... There is a conclusion, but as I said, it doesn't feel good enough. Do you know what I mean? So there's there are a couple of answers here and there, you know, mostly for Josh in the, the, the situation with his absent father and everything, but you're not going to leave thinking, oh, well, that was an amazing twist. Again, I hark back to how I felt at the end of the first one. Like, I remember thinking, holy shit, like, that was mad, that was fun, and I loved it, but this all felt really needless. That's not me saying, by the way, that there's a twist or anything at the end. There, there isn't. It's just, it does feel really, really flat when it comes to the end. I think that James Wan and Lee Wenell ended the Lambert story quite perfectly, if we're being honest, at Chapter 2, and maybe that's why neither of them did rejoin for this one. There is, of course, a cameo from Lee Wanell as he comes back with Angus Sampson for a quick cameo as the fantastic duo Specs and Tucker. They were massively, massively missed from this story. Like, this is what I'm saying about the film, listeners, is that everything that you liked about the first two and what made those first two great, because it was, yeah, fair enough, we had the Lamberts, which were great, they were the great characters to follow, but it was it was those side characters as well that really upped it all for me anyways. Like I say, your Specs, your Angus, obviously in particular, Elise and such, like, there's so much there that's missing from this film that it does feel like it shouldn't have really ever happened, this one. The thing is, is obviously, when your lead protagonists have repressed their memories, 
you can't involve everyone, can you, that fans love from the original series? Obviously, the character Carl as well pops up in this one, uh, played by Steve Coulter from, again, I think, Chapter 2 only. I would have maybe have liked to seen him take more of a prominent role, be the Elise character or whatever that we haven't got anymore. Like Elise obviously does have cameos here and there, very minor, but it's just, um, it's just, it's just like I say, it's very disappointing. Um, and it's one of those where like characters had their memories repressed. In a way, I kind of wish I could repress my memory of watching this latest installment because it didn't add anything. And uh, that's why I think I'm most just disappointed. Like I've come away and I was like, a couple of great jump scares, but. Other than that, it's really, really, it's fell short massively. I wouldn't, I was thinking if it was like worse than chapter four, because chapter four was my least favourite. And I think I probably would end up thinking it's slightly better purely on the fact that I, I like these characters. I like seeing the Lamberts and such, and there's elements there that do hark back to the things I loved about the first two. So I have to give it props for that. But overall, just, just like I said, needless. So I think for me, this is like a five and a half out of ten. I am disappointed with it, as you can tell by the however many minutes I've been waffling, saying how disappointed I was with it. But at least we get to see the Lamberts on the big screen again. And there's a couple of cool jump scares in there. All three of them. But let me know if you've caught the latest Insidious chapter with the Red Door. Let me know if you're a fan of it, what your thoughts overall with it was. How would you rank your Insidious films? What's your favourite one? All that jazz, you know what to do. But thank you ever so much for checking out the podcast. As I stated at the start, do check out the pod social page. Jump onto Facebook and Instagram, search your blogs about films. Leave us likes, reviews everywhere. That too would be grand. Share, share, share away. And before you know it, we'll be in the further ourselves. I don't even know what that means. But thank you as always for listening. Until the next episode, take care.